Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, we are still talking about the call of God and we are talking about the office of the pastor, the ministry of the pastor. And uh, the last thing we talked about, uh, you know, we are talking about different words that describe the ministry of a pastor. And one of the things that uh, Paul said to Timothy was that he should be an example uh, he says, don't let anyone despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Now, another scripture in that context is 1 Peter 5.3. It says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So uh, that we are not lords or kings over God's heritage, that is God's church, but we are to be examples to people examples to God's people because people are watching over us and people need role models and uh, so we are to be examples to God's people all right so now uh, some more things the New Testament tells the pastor to do there are things that the New Testament tells pastors to do and the first thing um, the the New Testament tells the pastors to preach to preach and to proclaim in 1 Corinthians 1.17, Paul said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, let the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So he says that uh, a pastor should preach, should proclaim, and, and not with the wisdom of words, not with empty eloquence, but preach the cross and preach the word of God with power. Amen. The second thing that a pastor should do here, what the New Testament tells the pastor to do, is to feed, is to feed the people. A pastor feeds the people. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. And so uh, a pastor should look at his people who need to be fed spiritually. And spiritual feeding is giving them the word of God. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. So the word of God that comes from the mouth of God is actually spiritual food for the people. And uh, I mean, uh, pastor, I've got pastor friends and their greatest gift is that they're able to feed the people. I've got, uh, I, don't, I don't want to go and start mentioning names, but I've got, I've got pastor friends and I'm amazed that you know how much they teach and 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 when pastors teach the best pastors don't come with high great revelations that go over the head of the people because Jesus said feed my sheep he didn't say feed my giraffes you know uh, people are down here and you're kind of feeding the giraffes up there while the sheep are starving so you feed the sheep you preach at their level and it's amazing I mean my pastor friends when they are uh, you know, with their people Sunday morning, <coughs> they preach things that uh, that their people can live by, that their people can actually practice and actually grow or practice and, and, and receive their miracle or whatever it is, things that they can actually live by. So um, to feed the people, First Peter uh, 5 verse 2. Uh, this, uh, this is the epistle, Apostle Peter says in this letter, he says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but with a ready mind. And I want to point out that Peter is saying, 
feed the flock of God. He's writing to the leaders, to the pastors, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. That means when you feed people, you have to take a responsibility of spiritual leadership over them to make sure that they are fed properly, they get a sound diet. A sound diet means they get sound doctrine. A good pastor will not just preach to his people one thing. You know, it's just like one subject. He harps on that one subject Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because that's his revelation and that's all the people get. A good pastor will not do that. Now, pastors can sometimes be, uh, you know, be good at different subjects. So some pastors, they're good at teaching on the end times and uh, uh, some pastors are good. Oh, I know one pastor, a friend of mine, is great in teaching on the end times. Then I've got others who are good on teaching on faith and there's somebody who's get good on teaching on finances. But these pastors, that's not what they teach Sunday morning after Sunday morning after Sunday morning because uh, uh, you see, you can't feed people only one thing just because you like potatoes doesn't mean you, you give them French fries for you know hash browns for breakfast, French fries for lunch and boiled potatoes at dinner. You have to give them a solid balanced diet. So uh, feed the flock of God what they need in order to grow in order to nurture them so they are strong. A good pastor will always feed his people what they need so they can grow on a balanced spiritual diet. Okay, build up the church. Ephesians 4.12, it says for the edifying of the body of Christ. The local church is the local body and if they are built up, the church is built up. It's not talking about building the church as an institution because some people uh, uh, you know, they look at the, they're building the church, they're building the organization and they're using the people. No, the people are the church. It's not about building your organization and the people are there and the people are valuable as long as they keep on pouring their money into your organization so you can build up the organization. No, no, no. The church is not about your organization that you are trying to build up or the, you know, the entity you are trying to build up. The church is about the people. Build up the people because as you build up the people, people will get behind your vision. That's what I found out. If you build people up, people are going to get behind you and they're going to support you and they're going to help them. But don't build up people so that they will support you because there are some people who will never have enough money. For example, just an example, there are people who will never have enough to support you financially, but you build them up anyway because they're God's people and God has sent you to serve them and to build them up. Treat everybody equally and with love, whether they be rich or poor, treat them all the same. Build up God's church, build up God's people. Amen. Then uh, another thing, a good pastor should do is to pray, pray, spend time in prayer because it's not enough just to get up and preach, uh, but it's about, uh, it's about prayer. Uh, I remember a, a pastor years ago, he gave, an he gave an interview and he was asked why he was a preacher. He said, well, my, my grandmother and my parents thought, you know, you're good at talking, so you should be a pastor. So I am good at talking. He gets up every Sunday morning and he gives his talk and people think it's good. But no, a, a, a good, not only in the pastoral ministry, in every other ministry, prayer is of utmost importance. In Colossians 1.9, it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. 
So he says, do not, so, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is the Apostle Paul and he's saying, since the day we heard of you, we do not cease to pray for you because a good leader prays for people. He prays for people, he'll pray for people, he'll pray for people's needs and he will pray for their well-being. You know, you know there, are, there are people who, I'm not their pastor, but I know them and when I hear somebody is sick, I call them and I, or, or I just write to them and tell me what's wrong and I pray for them. It's very important that we spend time in prayer, not just uh, uh, in our personal devotions to the Lord and not just in uh, <coughs> asking God to give us a good sermon for the, the next service, but we actually pray. We pray for people. So uh, spend time in prayer. If you want to be a good minister of the gospel, especially a good pastor, spend time, much time in prayer for your people. Now, the next thing a pastor should do that the New Testament tells us to do is watch for people's soul. Watch over their souls. Watch over their souls. Hebrews 13, 17, and it says, uh, it tells people, you know, the writer of Hebrews is writing to the believers, obey them that have the rule over you. That means your leaders, your pastors, obey them and submit them yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So it tells people, people submit to your pastors and and, and and obey them. Why? Because they have a responsibility before God for your souls. And that this is interesting that pastors will stand before God and give account for you, for you and me. So my pastor, Pastor Sam, uh, the Bible tells me that because he has the rule over me, that he's my leader, he's my pastor, I must submit myself to him. And because he watches over me, because he one day will stand before God and give account for what he has done for me. And so that it is important so that he is able to stand before God and give account for me with joy and not with grief. Because what will happen is that if I don't respect my pastor, if I don't honor my pastor, if I don't listen to what he says, if I don't submit to him and, 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 and he tries to speak into my life and I don't listen to him. So when he stands before God and give account for me, he will he will won't he won't have any joy doing it he he will have only grief because he will say he will say to the lord lord i know you 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 uh, you anointed me and you called me and you brought christopher to alam to my church and 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 uh, and I watched over his soul and I prayed for him. I agonized for him. I wanted his life to be better. I wanted him to be to listen to me, but he never listened to me. So, you know, there will be grief in his soul as he gives account for me and it is unprofitable for me. I will gain nothing about being, uh, you know, by being under my pastor because I was not really under him. But this is very important. So we have to understand that our pastors, they stand before God and they give account for our souls. So uh, I, for example, I am a leader. I have many pastors under me. I stand before God and, and give account for them. So it is very important that I 
I feed the right things into them and that I'm there to correct them when they need me. I'm there to feed them when they need me. And if they don't listen to me, I will grieve. I, there are people like that who haven't listened to me and they have done the opposite of what I've told them to do. And I, I feel <coughs> grief over them because, uh, uh, you know, I, I, for example, had one guy under me. He was like a son to me, but he was stealing money from the ministry and now he's a drunkard. He's, I mean, he, 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 he stole money from the ministry and he walked away from God and I pleaded with him. I begged with him. I said, brother, I want to help you. Tell me the truth. I, you know, it's, it's not money. It's your soul. It's your life. But, but he turned his back to me. So, so I feel, this is how I feel. I feel that I had a responsibility over him to speak into his life and I did my best. But because he didn't listen, I feel grief over what he did. I feel grief and everything that I said, it didn't profit him because he didn't listen. So it goes both ways. That's why the exhortation is that, you know, as leaders, we must understand we watch over people and we are responsible for people, responsible to teach them, to lead them, to guide them. But it works if it goes the other way too, that the people who, uh, who are under leaders should respect their leadership and listen to them, submit to your pastor, listen to your pastor, do what he tells you to do and line up, you know, make those corrections, adjust, adjustments in your life so that he, when he gives account for, to God for your life, he does it with joy. He said, he said, Lord, you sent this man to me and look how God used him. And uh, uh, I spoke into his life and he listened and he has done well. And then, uh, and, and then your pastor has a share of the reward of the fruit that comes from your life. So this is another very important factor. Pastors watch over people's souls. Now, the next one, and one, ne one next thing about a pastor's ministry is to convince people. And Titus 1.9 says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be a, a by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. So when, when you have people with them, you have to, to exhort somebody actually means to, to speak to them, teach to them in such a way that they, that they jump up into action and bear good fruit. That's what it means, exhortation. Exhortation means to teach people in a way that they take that encouragement, the word you're giving them, and they jump into action and they do something for God and produce fruit. And so what you do is that when we have people under us as pastors, as ministers of the gospel, we have to take the word of God and by sound doctrine, by sound preaching, we exhort people, we teach people so that they get up and change their lives and move on and are fruitful and we are able to convince them. Convince them means to be able to uh, to, to, to talk to people, to teach them in such a way that they actually make changes in their lives. That means to convince them, to be able to, and we should do that. We as ministers of the gospel, when we teach people, we should teach people in a way that people listen and say, yeah, this man, what he's saying is right. My pastor is right. And, and I'm going to make these changes because it is for my benefit. That's what it means. So uh, then the next thing, that a pastor should do is to comfort people, comfort people. And uh, in Second uh, Corinthians 1, 4 to 6, it says, who comforts us, this is the, uh, the Apostle Paul speaking about the Lord, 
that the Lord comforts us in our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we, wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. So Paul, you know, he suffered a lot, but he said that the Lord comforts us so that because the Lord comforts us, we are able to comfort those who are afflicted. So God comforts us so that we in turn can turn around and comfort the people he puts under us. So as pastors, as ministers of the gospel, as the Lord comforts us, we comfort others. We take that comfort that the Lord gives us and we comfort other people. Then it says here for uh, in verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. It says that whether <coughs> if we suffer for the sake of the gospel, he says we our consolation from God also abounds in us. If there's great suffering, there's also great consolation. This says verse 6, And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is afflicted effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer and whether we be comforted it is your consolation and salvation so what is basically saying that that the way we suffer in the same way our people suffer but god comforts us so that we in turn can comfort our people and that is one of the jobs of the pastor is to comfort people because especially in these difficult difficult times people are going through right now uh, you know, people going through hardships and all kinds of difficulties. They've got relatives, family members who are sick. We should be there to comfort people as God has comforted us. Comforted us. Then the next thing that a pastor should do, and this is a, a difficult one for some people, is to rebuke people. That's a part of the pastoral ministry. Rebuke people. Now, rebuke uh, is to reprimand and to admonish sternly but with a loving intent so rebuke sometimes you know nobody likes to rebuke people but as a pastor sometimes as a leader you have to rebuke people now i as i said i pastor pastors and when i see uh, anyone doing anything i try to you know help them but my intent is always good but there are times i have to pull people in and rebuke them and rebuke them means to reprimand them to correct them and it means to scold them and sometimes you have to admonish them very sternly. You have to speak to them very sternly. But your intent should always be loving. Your intent should never be to punish people. But as a leader, your intent should be to correct people. Because remember, correction should never be punitive. It should be restorative. Because the gospel, the spirit of the gospel is not punitive. It is not to punish people for their sins or for their failures. But... The, uh, but, but the spirit of the gospel is restorative, that no matter what people have done, you're always looking for their restoration. <coughs> people sin, people, people not only sin, sometimes they do terrible things. And sometimes you have to, uh, you have to deal very strongly with people. But, you, you do, but, the, but the, the end result that you want, you want people to be corrected. But if they don't listen to you, you can't correct them. You know, sometimes I've had to deal with people and they don't want to listen. I can't correct them. But my intent is always to correct people. And, and sometimes you just have to 
swallow the bitter pill and be tough, but your intent should always be correct them. So it should be to correct them. So rebuke means to reprimand and to admonish sternly, but with loving intent. Titus 1.13, it says, This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be strong in the faith. So you just have to rebuke people. You just have to be strong with them. And some people don't like to be rebuked. They, uh, they think a pastor should only make them feel good. And there are feel-good pastors who have people who, who love to be in the church. They love to give money to the church because the pastor makes them feel good. But listen, if you if your intent is to make everybody happy with you, you should not be in the ministry. You should be driving an ice cream truck. And, and uh, but but in the ministry, we have to rebuke people and take a strong stand against things. And this is just to help people. This is for their own good. Our intent should always be to restore people, to make them come up and be better. And the next thing we have to do, this is another thing that we don't like to do is to warn people, is to warn people. And uh, Acts 20, 31, it says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone day and night with tears. And so, you know, Paul said in the book of Acts, he says, for three years, I warned you. Sometimes we have to warn people, especially if there's false doctrines or, or heresies going around and people teaching things that are not right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, honestly, this is what I do. I, um, when I see people teaching heresies, teaching st strange things and people doing, uh, you know, teaching things that are wrong, that are not scriptural, and uh, uh, or and and I see people like you know they're not so strong on the gospel, but it's all about politics. Uh, honestly, what I tend to do, I tend to get quiet. I say it's none of my business. They do what they like. I will preach the gospel. But the moment that begins to affect people under my charge, then I warn them. Then I warn them. I can give you an example. There's a guy from Nigeria who has a very very big ministry is a huge is is supported by multi-billionaires and the guy has divorced his wife and he's he flies around in a jet plane but he's a good preacher he's a great preacher he preaches great things and so uh, so uh, there was a millionaire businessman who who was supporting, uh, actually giving money to people to go to his conference in South Africa. He paid their airfare, paid their hotel. So one of my leaders went there. Uh, she was one of my main leaders and, and they paid her air ticket, hotel, food, everything. So she went there and she came back and this is what she told me. Uh, she told me that this pastor, this big shot, had taught those pastors. It was a week-long event. And he told the pastors that, listen, when people come to you for prayer or they come to you for counsel, don't help them, don't pray for them unless they come with money in their hands. Because if they, if they have money in their hands and they, they are sowing seed, only then can you help them. Because if they don't sow seed, they cannot receive what you have to give them. So the first thing is you ask them, okay, you want me to pray for you? Do you have anything in your hand? Do you have money for me? And so I listened. Then the, then the other thing, uh, she told me that on the last night they had communion. They had like thousands of pastors and they did a, they did a big communion service. 
But then they announced, if you want to take communion at the same table as the great man of God, you have to pay, I think, two or three thousand uh, US dollars, which is a fortune for an African pastor. But if you pay that money, you have the privilege of sitting at the table with the man of God. And, and, and you know what? Uh, normally when people do such things, I don't say anything because it's none of my business, but because it was one of my leaders and she was impressed by how much money this guy had, I had to tell her. I had to warn her. I said, you know, I said, these people are charlatans and I don't want anyone in my ministry to ever to go to any event where these people are preaching. And so sometimes you have to take a stand and warn when people are teaching false doctrine or they are teaching things that, that are infecting people in different ways that are affecting their faith. So when you have a church pastor and you have people in your church who are being led astray by something else that somebody is preaching on TV or you know his ministry has become very popular so you have to take a stand you have to warn your people even if you don't like to do it but remember when you warn people it's not about attacking <coughs> the the person preaching the heresies but you have to take the scripture and show them where this person is wrong and that's what I did I pulled out my bible and so I said I can show you from the scripture where this what this person has been teaching and is wrong so we have to do that beloved we have to take a stand according to the scriptures and we just have to be very very clear about where we stand so um, so it says, therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. Now, if I hear somebody preaching some error on TV, uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything. It's none of my business. But if people who are under me, someone on my team or in my congregation or one of the pastors I lead, he is being affected and he is being infected by this false doctrine, then I will warn them. I will warn them. I will show them what the scriptures say. And this is one of the uh, uncomfortable things that no man of God wants to do but you have to do it not because you are some kind of spiritual policeman but you are watching over the souls of people who's, who's, who God has put under you. Uh, I've seen churches uh, there was this uh, uh, teaching on extreme grace that came and uh, and you know what happened I know churches who lost people I had one First, one pastor, he had a church of like 800 people. He lost like 400 people. And he told me, and because he was too nice to warn against this uh, heresy that was being taught. Uh, and, 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 and these people who were affected by this doctrine, uh, they, uh, they said to him, when he asked them, why did you leave the church? They said, oh, pastor, you're too legalistic. I'm into grace now and I understand I'm under grace. And, and uh, because just because he talked about right living and purity and holiness. And I know the man, he's not legalistic. He just taught basic fundamental Christianity. But in the light of what this other guy was teaching, uh, they called him uh, you know, they said he's too legalistic. And so what happened? I know other pastors who went to the same thing, who lost a lot of people because they never stood up and said what was wrong with this teaching, what was wrong with the doctrine. They just thought if I just say nothing, uh, it'll go away, but didn't go away. I know many people who lost their churches because they were too nice to say anything. So if there are things that are blatantly dangerous, that is leading people astray, especially the people who God has put in your church, you as a pastor have to speak up. Believe me, you have to speak up, but 
speak up not out of your personal opinions but out of the scripture if you're convinced that what is being taught to them is wrong uh, so one pastor said well this teaching that's going on what should I do I said brother go to the scripture search the scriptures and find out what the scripture says about this subject and teach your people the scriptures and tell them the difference between right and wrong that way you'll be saving their lives so it's not about picking fights with people who teach wrong things but to safeguard the spiritual lives of our people we have to speak the truth and so Paul said I warned you day and night so sometimes we have to warn our people it's an unpleasant task but that is one of the things the pastor has to do well let's pray together father in the name of Jesus I thank you for my brothers and sisters I thank you for those who have a calling of God on their lives thank you for your hand upon us use us mightily father keep us safe sound and secure and bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. We'll continue to talk about the ministry of the pastor. God bless you.